This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 3. We are talking to artist Minna Gilligan. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, MPRG Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist Minna Gilligan about her collage works, her love for all things retro, and how she became an Instagram superstar. We also discover more about her love of fashion and colour, and she gives her advice for artists just starting out. Thanks everyone for coming along today for our third lunchtime in conversation. Really thrilled to have Minna with us today. Thanks for joining us, Minna. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So I'll start by asking you about your collage works and if you can tell us about when you first started making those, I guess a bit about the process behind those works and where you find the found images. Sure. I suppose uh, collage is that really immediate means of sort of making something. And when you're in primary school, you're handed old women's weekly magazines and told to cut them up and make, you know, some sort of representation of your kind of reality. So I think that's when I first was aware of it as a medium, you know, as I think a lot of other children were. And then I sort of, when I was in first year at art school, I sort of rediscovered the medium. I was experimenting more with it, cutting up old calendars. And then in my sort of op shop, processes I discovered that there was also things other than clothes at um, Savers and there was bookshelves full of old books which are an absolute mine for amazing images and stuff to be using in collages so sort of started when I was about 18 and I was started collecting all these old books and from there seeking things out I had to be looking in the book section of any sort of op shop I passed and I've gathered a very large collection of books sort of ranging from the 50s, 60s, 70s um, and sort of anyway in between as well. So those images then form the kind of impetus for making a collage. I might find an image of a female protagonist which is something I'm usually attracted to making these female narratives and then I might form a collage around that and it happens quite organically I think I'm attracted to things, they may have a certain quality that I then just feel I have to use it and then a collage usually forms with other sort of imagery I have cut out and floating around on my desk. So I suppose my collages range between quite traditional collages which have just um, a picture background with sort of images um, sort of on the top or they can um, be more like the ones that are in the exhibition here which are have painterly backgrounds or um, drawn backgrounds and I do like sort of you know, incorporating my own abstract imagery with uh, images that I then find because you sort of create that next level of a different sort of reality, I think, with with combining those two. Mm. What are some of your influences? My influences are very wishy-washy, I would say, but basically I think a lot about ideas of nostalgia and not in a sort of corny sense but more in a sense that I like thinking about nostalgia and why it is that I am uh, have this kind of affliction and an attraction to times that I didn't actually live through. So I feel very fond for the 60s and the 70s and the imagery that I consume from those times, but I did not have a lived experience through those times. So I like to think about what that is and why you can have this sort of inexplicable fondness for something that 
is very rose-tinted. I think that's part of it. Um, I think whenever you look back in retrospect, things become, you know, very um, idyllic. And yeah, I think a lot about that. And then I also think, you know, I don't want to glamorise the 60s and 70s in my work. I want to reference them, but I'm, I'm sort of not trying to make them seem like they're all entire sort of wonderful realms. I think my work has an immediate feeling of sort of joy in, in a lot of aspects, but I think as well, if you spend more time with them, there is a little slightly kind of melancholy, slightly kind of sinister um, undertones in, in some ways. So as I was saying, I, I sort of don't want to glamorise the 60s and 70s, but I am influenced by them. And the reason I don't want to glamorise them, I suppose, is because I know that while they did have, you know, so much um, free love and excitement and colour and expression, or they're known for that, there was also a lot of historical things that were not so good. You know, um, in Australia, treatment of Indigenous Australians were, were terrible at that time. It's still not amazing now, but it is it is getting better. I think women didn't have as many rights as we have now, and various things like that. I'm always tainted with trying not to glamorise that time as well if that kind of makes sense so I am influenced by it and I use it but I, I try to use it in a way that maybe takes it to a more digital kind of realm just because I'm you know making it a bit more contemporary. Mm. Now you have nearly 44,000 Instagram followers which is a huge amount for a young artist or any artist. How did this happen? Yeah, I love Instagram. It's like so fun. And I think I just was um, born in that time when I just started uni and was really new and exciting. And you, everyone just had got iPhones and were able to take photographs of things. So I sort of got Instagram when I was in uni, I think. And at this time as well, I started work at an online feminist magazine called Rookie Magazine, which was quite a big deal. It was founded by um, Tavi Gevinson, who's based in New York. And I was illustrating and writing for this magazine. So that really thrust me into this really big audience that I wasn't quite expecting. So I sort of um, gathered followers from that. At the same time, I had had a blog for years and I was always sort of using the internet to document my outfits and uh, my feelings and various other things and obviously my artwork. So it kind of just seemed natural for me to be using it. And now I suppose I see it as a gallery space. I see it as a really important documentation of, um, and in a sense, like I like to think about artists and how they live legacies. And I think that like Instagram is that amazing snapshot of this whole world and how people want to be seen and how they curate themselves. And, you know, it gives you an ability to brand yourself and while that sounds a bit dirty I think that that's um, really important nowadays if you want to kind of be noticed and have a really solid identity or something it's important to utilize those platforms so yeah I also one more point about Instagram is that I also love it because I really believe that art shouldn't be this really elite kind of thing I think that I really want to make art that's accessible and having on Instagram to be accessed by anybody I think is, is really important and not everyone is able to go into a gallery or feels confident enough to go into a gallery but everyone can be using Instagram to look at art so I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to people on how to promote themselves online? That's a hard one. I think uh, you need to be sincere. I think you need to um, be consistent. And I think you need to have an object for your account. So mine is, you know, my art and my fashion and selfies, basically. So I sort of have those three things in it. I 
switch between those three things that I post and I think genuinely a sincerity and I think genuinely as well like following other people and and being interested in what other people are doing not to the point of annoying them but to a point of um, forming sort of natural communities online I think really helps build an audience so I would say as well like it's not all about having followers I've found that Instagram has been a great thing for me but if I didn't have as many followers as I had I feel like I would still be practicing you know it wouldn't hinder me from some of the opportunities that I've had in my art practice so I think it's a great thing but it's not gonna be the be all and end all I think if you use it and you don't have a whole bunch of followers um, but you use it well then that's fine as well I think that's just as good Mm. and I guess going back to your previous answer as well like how do you use social media and Instagram to support your creative practice? I think, again, as I said, I use it kind of as this gallery space, as this um, place where I can curate the self and curate myself. And I think that ties in with my work. Again, how I think about the female protagonist in my work. And then I perform as my own protagonist in what I wear. And, you know, a photograph I take of myself is always communicating a narrative. And you can sort of play these different characters online, which... Um, you know, that's kind of how I I use it. Um, I wouldn't say directly that having Instagram has, like, got me a show somewhere, but I would say that it is an extra element that does add to what I do and it allows people to see me as well as my artwork, you know, and I, I put myself on the same level out there as my work. So, yeah, and I sort of stand by that. I think I've had a lot of criticism for doing that from the more sort of fine art community because I think because I am a woman and I enjoy dressing and I enjoy wearing makeup and people see that as a bit sort of flippant. I think some people do, um, but for me it's always been very natural to um, have myself out there with my work online and the people who accept that are people worth having in my community. Mm. And you look great in Gucci. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, my God, that was like my dream. <laughs> so good. Um, my next question. Yeah. What does a day in the life of Minnie Gilligan look like? Oh, um, it, can be, it can be pretty boring sometimes. I'm pretty busy and... I don't have wealthy parents, so they don't support my art practice. I have to work part-time in order to do that. So I work uh, three days a week at Art Guide Australia, which is an art magazine. I also teach um, occasionally at Monash, and I also do sort of various workshops and things like this and have shows and stuff like that. So um, my studio days are limited to two days a week at the moment. But, yeah, so it just depends what hat I'm wearing for that day, basically, what I'll be doing. But it will always start with going on Instagram, usually, and then it will go from there. So do you ever feel unmotivated? And what do you do to get past these creative blocks? Because my studio time is so limited. I'm always busting to be in there. So when I'm in there, I feel great. And I'm like, I have so much to do and I never have enough time. So... In some ways, it's great that I have to have a part-time job um, and work so much because it does make me make the most of the time I have in the studio and be excited about it. Um, Usually I feel unmotivated about working part-time, to be honest with you. So it's like, at the studio, I'm pretty, like, into it, to be honest, which is a good thing. Can you talk a little bit about the three books that you've published and how each of these came about? Yeah, so... The first book I did was an artist book uh, commissioned by the NGV. So that was a book of poetry and collages that existed alongside those. And that was with their first art book fair in 2015. 
And then second to that, I had a more commercial venture, which was a book called Time After Time with Hardy Grant Publishers. And that is a book more about fashion and about um, op shopping and about things that I collect. So it's got all this um, personal anecdotes that are accompanied by pictures of outfits that are made from, you know, vintage clothes and also more contemporary clothes. And yeah, so that was my commercial venture. And it was interesting to sort of do that. And, but it was very different to my artist books that I've made, basically. Uh, and then the third one was a book called So Far, which is an anthology of collages that I have done so far in my career. So that was published by a small sort of artist book um, publisher in Canada. And they've distributed that at art book fairs in New York and Tokyo and Los Angeles. So that was a cool project that I, I feel quite proud of and books are so intimate and I love that and they have the element of like being a diary and being clutched to your chest and so yeah I'm while I have a lot of stuff online I do like the book as a medium. In your book Time After Time you talk about how to dress to express yourself can you talk a bit about how you dress to be the protagonist you want to be? Mm, yeah, I just love clothes and I always have. And I think I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what kind of look is for today? And like, I don't know, it depends what I'm doing. But yeah, I do wear like nice clothes when I paint and it's really stupid. And I always wreck them, but I always feel like I want to, yeah, be a certain type of me when I am working or whatever I'm doing. So yeah, I have way too many clothes, so I just kind of pick something and it's really fun and I don't know, <laughs> I maybe articulated that better in the book. So I guess another big thing about your practice is colour. Yeah. It's like a very defining element in your work. Firstly, do you have a favourite colour and can you discuss what colour means? Yes. To you, more broadly. I think I would have to say my favourite colour is red because I was born with red hair and I always wear red lipstick. So I think that's like a constant. So I have to acknowledge that as probably my favourite colour. But I also like pink. And I suppose my attraction to the 50s and 60s and 70s, I think my attraction to colour is similarly inexplicable. Like I've just always thought about it and always thought about colour combinations and even as a kid and one of my earliest memories is mum like showing me how to mix pink with different coloured face paint and I was like wow you know so I'm not quite sure but it's just so natural to me to not try and tone it down I'm always trying to like tone it up but I'm never putting in like some brown or some grey to like balance out all this colour in my paintings it's always just completely go for it and that's been a constant I think one of the constants in my practice. So you've been teaching at Monash University and you quite often run workshops alongside the exhibitions you do. How do you see these sort of activities in relation to your art practice? Yeah, I think as an artist, like working now, you have to be able to do so many things. So you have to be able to speak publicly like this and you have to be able to, you know, network in an opening and then you have to be able to also be in the studio and you have to know how to make the work and you have to, you know, do all this stuff. So I think teaching is one of those things because it's hard to sustain a practice just by painting and just by selling work and just by showing, for me anyway, at the moment. And I think teaching is that great job where you can connect with people and have chats and connect not on social media, basically. So teaching has been challenging for me because I am quite introverted, but you do have to train yourself. I can public speak, but it's never my like super favourite thing to do, but you have to be able to do it because you want to talk about your practice. So 
teaching's kind of the same. I just train myself to do it. I make sure I'm really prepared and you get better each time. And yeah, it's pretty fun. You know, I think some of the students at Monash are just doing it because they have to be there. But then there's always one or two that make you realise, you know, yeah, this is why I do it. And these kids are really engaged and I can see talent there. And then that's really inspiring as well. So it's a necessity, but it can have its really nice points as well. Mm. Yeah. Just touching on the sort of workshops that you've run as well, like I'm thinking of the exhibition you had at West Space a few years ago mm, yeah. and even that project that we did up at Arup in that yes. commercial yeah, building, yeah. like to see, I guess, maybe the collage lends itself totally. to that totally. engagement. But I've found those projects were quite interesting, how other people would engage with your work and engage with you yeah, in that way. Yeah, The workshops, yeah, particularly have that quality. And I think collage, again, as I said, when we first started this conversation about how it was very, um, it lends itself to a very childlike, immediate way of representing a reality. And so... I think that's why people respond to it. So as Danny was saying, I've had a few exhibitions where a collage workshop element has been like part of the exhibition. And I think the engagement in that is excellent because it allows people to spend more time within the show. It allows people to relax into the show because people are often so tense when they go into an art space or some people. And yeah, it's great to be able to sort of be making yourself and then let the work that's around you kind of wash over you. And that's why collage is so successful, I think, because it's so accessible and immediate. And finally very tough question what advice would you give to artists just starting out yeah I get this question a bit and I'm always like I don't know I'm still starting out but at the same time you know from the sort of years I've been practicing since I graduated I think the one thing that I would say is don't try to be cool because I think when you are in art school and when you graduate there's this huge expectation to just not care about anything and to make work that is sarcastic and not sincere and I've always had a sincerity in me and a drive and an enthusiasm and that's not cool to be enthusiastic or, you know, it's not deemed cool in art school, but I'm glad that I hung on to some of that because it's been so valuable in being out in the world and being an artist. You have to have that enthusiasm, otherwise you're not going to get through. And I see myself as doing this for like my whole life. And so I wouldn't see the point in doing it if I was doing it to sort of have a joke or to, yeah, make something sarcastic that only a few people would get. And yeah, I want to make work that is really really accessible and gives different people uh, whatever they would like and people can project their own kind of stuff onto my work so I would say definitely the advice is don't get caught up in trying to be cool it's not worth it <laughs> yeah great well thanks so much for coming down to Mornington Thank for being you. part of the exhibition and for taking part in today's talk thanks for listening Thanks for listening to episode three of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. In the next episode, Danny will be talking to artist Goshua Larcher about her ephemeral drawing project at the MPRG, A Through Grey Room. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.